This is Sad Girl Jams, a podcast about music, feminism, and mental health. Thanks for bearing with me being a little late and getting this one out. I've had a lot going on lately. I've been super busy in a really good way with my job over the past month, and I've had a lot of personal stuff going on. So even though I've had the idea for this episode for a while, I had a really hard time actually kind of putting pen to paper, or fingers to keyboard, as the case might be, and getting it out. But here we are. So Pride Month just drew to a close, and I have to say, for a place that has so much about it that really grinds my gears sometimes, New York City does a really good job of, at the very least, being really vocal in its representation and acceptance of LGBT plus folks. If it's a little rainbow heart sticker in a window, or even just walking into a hair salon, or onto the train and seeing a bunch of people who are, in their own way, loud and proud about their identity, it's really the best example of self-acceptance I've seen on such a big scale. I want to talk for a second about loud and proud. What I say when I mean that is someone who's comfortable and even confident in their skin and who's unapologetic about who they are. But for some people, the proud night might not be so obvious without the loud, or the proud might still be on its way out. To just rip the band-aid off real quick, I've actually been trying to get comfortable over the past couple years, but especially over the last several months, with the fact that I identify as bisexual. Most of my close friends and my parents know that about me already, but for anyone who knows me in the real world and isn't aware, hey, hello, this is a real thing, hope you're cool with it. I'm not usually all that great at talking about it because assumed heteronormativity is such a thing, and representation of bisexual people honestly sucks most of the time. Basically, in pop culture at least, a lot of the time bisexual people tend to get vilified as unfaithful or sex crazy or going through a phase, and as someone who's grappled with getting on a more positive side of working my way through mental illness and trauma in my life, let me tell you, it's really, really fucking difficult not to internalize that and start thinking the worst about yourself even when the rational part of you knows that it isn't true. This is honestly one of the many, many reasons why representation is such an important thing. It wasn't until I started seeing more frequent representations of bisexual women in popular culture that I started unpacking my own identity. I can't remember which actor I read in an interview talking about how the phrase strong women is such bullshit because it's super reductive. Every woman is strong. 
Women are complex and clever and kind and complicated and just as capable of being those things as men. No one describes a movie as having a strong male lead, but for women, that phrase gets thrown around a lot more regularly because we've honestly just got a lot of catching up to do. And for anyone who identifies as female in the LGBT plus community, even more so. Same goes for women of color. That's why when How to Get Away with Erder revealed Annalise Keating as bisexual, and the same for Clark on the CW show The Hundred or Waverly on the sci-fi show Winona Earp. Yes, I know, I'm a big fucking nerd, I get it. There was like this bizarre feeling of celebration in some weird part of my heart I wasn't in touch with at first because, as I later realized, I was finally looking at women who, to me, felt closer to what it looks like when I look in the mirror. I could tell you a lot of stories about internalizing homophobia from a super early age and growing up in a really conservative community, but we're also here to talk about music together, so let's do that instead as part of this conversation. And by the way, if you've got something to say, I want to hear it. I'm so grateful to everyone who's listened to this podcast or engaged with me on Instagram about it because it's brought to light so many kind, amazing people out there. I really, really am looking forward to keeping this conversation going. Anyway, so the first time I really thought specifically about the importance of representation in music was when I was a freshman in high school. I briefly mentioned my friend Courtney in the last episode. She and I used to make each other mix CDs and share them in our creative writing class, which was honestly a level of cool I will probably never ever reach again, but that's okay. Anyway, the first Tegan and Sarah song I ever heard was on one of those CDs Courtney made me, called Hype, off of their initially unreleased 1999 album Under Feet Like Ours. I remember coming up to Courtney the day after I listened to it and being like, what is this song? Who are these girls? What are their voices? Do you have any other music of theirs? And her just kind of laughing and being like, they're called Deacon and Sarah and they're twin lesbians from Canada. (laughs) And that more or less became the story of how she and I and eventually a lot of our other close friends from high school became and stayed pretty obsessed with Deacon and Sarah. Sidebar, if you haven't listened to the 10th anniversary edition of their album, The Con, they released last year, please, please do it. It's all the covers of their songs from that album by artists like Bleachers, Paris, Muna, City in Color, Haley Williams. It's incredible. Anyway, at the time, I just loved Tegan and Sarah's music and assumed Courtney loved it the same way I did. I never really, until much later, put two and two together as far as how important it probably was to her as an out lesbian at a Catholic high school in a conservative community full of assholes to have that armor of getting to put your headphones on and listen to people whose voices might remind her a little more of her own. For me, I kind of had my own aha moment when Halsey first started to appear on the scene. I'm pretty sure I listened to her Room 93 EP on repeat for at least the entire summer I started working at the company I still work for now, driving through windy Laurel Canyon and badly harmonizing along to Hurricane. Of course, Halsey's a no-brainer when we're thinking about side girls. At first, it was the simultaneous, deeply emotional and super catchy nature of her music, especially reflecting on the darker sides of her nature, like dealing with bipolar disorder, that grabbed my attention. Then, when I found out she was bisexual, I remember first thinking, wow, that's so awesome that she's getting to be such a big deal. It wasn't until after I realized part of why I loved her so much was because I could identify with her. Cut to now, where she's a global star, and when Bad at Love, a song where she literally talks about relationships she's had with both men and women, was her first top five entry into into Billboard's Hot 100. So at this point, you might be thinking to yourself, hey Lauren, what about Lady Gaga? She's bisexual and has had to fight to have people see her identity as valid, and she's arguably been the queer community's biggest voice in the last two decades of music. Well, first of all, I'd agree with you. She has been and still is, in my opinion, but... 
I'd tell you I feel the same way about of late, a lot of Lady Gaga's music that I feel about Do Pride Parades. I love that it's happening. I, lo- I appreciate it. I'm thrilled for the people who join in and thrive in the community and the representation that they embody. And I'm so grateful to live in a world where they're loud and unapologetic and thriving, especially with so much of the world these days doing its utmost to shut out any voices that don't mirror the ones of those in power. I do feel that way, truly. I love Lady Gaga, and I have so much admiration and respect for her range as an artist and the way she commands attention. And the only Super Bowl halftime performance I loved more than her singing This Land is Your Land before diving on a cable into the crowd from a great height was Beyonce and a crowd of black women performing Formation for the world to see. And honestly, they're still pretty neck and neck. But the reason why I could never identify as strongly with someone like Lady Gaga as I could with someone like Halsey or Tegan and Sarah or even Haley Kiyoko, who we'll talk about more in just a minute, is that I couldn't really see myself very well in the community that tends to flock to her. I know she's helped so many people see themselves as beautiful, see themselves as born this way, and I'm not minimizing any of those experiences she gave her fans of learning how to love themselves. Not by a long shot. I'm just saying that my own personal experience is that I don't really know how to feel that same kind of shot myself acceptance from the rafters pride that sometimes it feels like you have to be able to have to really be part of the LGBT plus community. I'm more of a quietly learn to be okay with myself and maybe talk about it on my monthly podcast kind of gal. And that's okay. Maybe someday I will be someone who is like literally draped in rainbows a la Janelle Monet while belting Lady Gaga songs at the top of my lungs. Who knows? <laughs> the world is crazy and people evolve. Shit's weird. But for my whole life up till now, I've always been someone who's more content with the little acts of inclusion at a personal level. I've heard a lot of people say the personal is political. That's something I couldn't agree with more. I'm grateful that someone like Lady Gaga and her fans did a lot of the heavy lifting in the mid-2000s to get Pride to be so much more normalized. I can recognize that without her and every other battle the LGBT plus community has fought before that, it'd be a hell of a lot harder, if not impossible, for me to be who I am sometimes than it already is. And sometimes the right thing to do is the hardest thing to do. That's part of why the first time I really started to love a different artist who's very vocal about her identity was when I heard Haley Kiyoko in her song Gravel to Tempo sing, I'll do this my way, don't matter if I break. Honestly, I could go on and on about Haley Kiyoko and how fantastic her music is at normalizing things for lesbian and bisexual women. If you haven't read Nylon Magazine's June cover feature of her, literally go do it the second you finish listening to this podcast. I'll put the link in the episode notes. But here's a quick excerpt. Kyoko makes honesty look cool. Like power. She's hot, and she moves with the cockiness of a teen boy heartthrob in a big car who thinks the earth exists for him to find women. But unlike that teen boy, well, she's a girl, for starters. And also there's less ego, less pretense. Her soul is right there for you to feel and touch. In a way, everything she does is a challenge to that particular package. What would that attitude look like in a female body? It looks good. After every show, Kyoko takes a group photo with beaming, ecstatic fans, but she's beaming too. I'm pretty sure this is feminism. I mean, there's swagger, but there's also a lot of crying. For example, when I tell Kyoko how my friend described her concerts as being like the future, like it feels like we don't have to beg for scraps or be on the fringes of culture, it feels like the future belongs to queer women, and ask her what it feels like to create that experience, She tears up and dabs her eyes with the sleeves of her oversized myrtle green fila hoodie, saying, I'm sorry, I blacked out. What was the question? She comes to, it's fulfilling. 
She adds, I really just always wanted to perform and create art. I didn't think I was going to have such a connection to so many people. To be able to share that with others and create a space and give them representation and inspire them to create hope is great. I didn't think I had that power. Anyway, that's what I'm really getting at here. Be the representation you want to see for yourself. Just get out there and do it. And sometimes it's going to be really fucking hard or really fucking scary. But life is too short to be anyone but yourself. And who you are is beautiful. Even if you sometimes have a hard time seeing it. I know I do. Unless you're like a neo-Nazi or something and then hatred's just plain ugly. (laughs) Alright, so... That's that about that. As always, thank you for listening. Um, You can find songs from today's episode and other thematically similar songs on our Spotify playlist, um, Sad Girl Jam Soundtrack on Spotify. You can stay in touch on Instagram at Sad Girl Jams. And this podcast has a Twitter now too, which you can also find. Hit follow and chat with me on at Sad Girl Jams. If you've got a question or have a story you want to share about music that made a difference in your life, or if you just want to say hi, drop a line at sadgirljams at gmail.com. Last thing, if you like what you've been hearing so far, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and or review on iTunes. Sad Girl Jams is written, edited, and produced by me, Lauren Gardner, and the music is performed by Moxie, who you can stay in touch with on Instagram at moxielovesyou, that's M-O-X-I loves you, and listen to wherever you stream music. Thanks so much again for listening and sharing the show with your friends. And remember, stay kind and own your weird shit.